0: Welcome to Data and Construction. I'm Hugh Seaton. Today I'm here with Jake Olson, co-founder and CEO of Dato. Jake, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Hugh. Happy to be here. So you guys have launched a really cool new product called SmartLinks, I believe it is, that uses a, something called a graph database. And I absolutely geeked out when I heard about it. So let's start with with what a graph database is.
1: Yeah, sounds good. And we're really excited about this. We just are coming home from the MEP Innovation Conference in Tampa, where we announced this feature. And this is, I think if you look at modern architecture for software products, there's no longer kind of a single database that solves all the problems, especially not all that's possible today. So, you know, go back 20 years, you basically had one choice for a database that was some type of SQL kind of traditional database. These were actually called uh, relational databases, which is kind of a bad name for them when when I talk about the difference of a graph database. But, you know, probably the easiest way for most people to conceptualize that is something like Excel. So you've got kind of data in rows and, and columns. And Probably most, especially in our industry in construction, most data is probably stored in, in something like that today. The kind of progression here and where I think where the future's headed with software architecture is not just having one size fits all database, but using different databases for different purposes. So another option would be like a NoSQL database. And there's different benefits to that. There's specific document types of databases that, store documents in a way that you wouldn't get out of kind of a a traditional kind of SQL relational database. And then there's this new type of database, which is a graph database, which is really kind of a new concept altogether. The big differentiation, if you think about rows and columns in Excel as your traditional database, those are pieces of information. I might have like an employee's name, employee number, maybe their hire date, their salary, something like that. We've all seen a database like that where a graph database actually stores the relationship between information. So it's the network of how that information is connected. So for example, two people in my relational database might have worked at the same company in the past. That's kind of hard to extract out of a, a traditional database. That's kind of, think of a pivot table in Excel, Hugh, I'm sure you've used those. So that's basically using kind of like a join function to try to extract those relationships out of a traditional database where a graph database can give you that answer immediately, it keeps track of those relationships. So I know this is a little bit abstract, but I can probably um, give you some concrete examples that of kind of how and why this makes sense to use in the construction industry.
0: Yeah, which before we do that, let me throw some analogies in there. So you might think of a standard SQL database and SQL is SQL for structured query language. And that you can think of that as as you said, Jake, as, as rows and columns. And sometimes you have multiple tables of rows and columns that are related to each other a little bit, like you're referencing your sign-ins over in that table. But ultimately, it's table and table and table, even if they might connect to each other. Correct. The next one you talked about, a NoSQL database is a little bit newer. And think of that as a bucket full of pieces of paper with tags on them. So you know, you think about a table as a SQL database. A NoSQL database is a bunch of documents that have tags, and you can add tags to them. That's why it can be really useful for things like websites and so on. What I really like about what you're talking about is this idea of networks where you might have one piece of information that's connected to 50 different things because it's connected to 50 different things. And you can search and say, where does this line, where does this sequence of connections take me? Which is what was so cool about where you ultimately created a product, right? Is that you don't always know where those hops are going to take you. And sometimes it takes you somewhere you didn't even know you needed.
1: It, Does exactly. that sound like
0: a good set of three kind of visual analogies for people?
1: Yeah, I think you laid that as as well as we can explain databases over a podcast. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. <laughs> Visuals would help in these cases. Picture yeah. a bucket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got it, Hugh. Got it. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's that's a really good example, and you know you hinted at something there, but because the the graph is actually not only cataloging this information, but also the way it's connected, you can not only search for connections or or kind of build those connections. But you can actually search for how things are connected, and that's really important. To do that in other databases is nearly impossible, especially when we talk about large data sets. The speed at which you can pull out relationships from a graph database is, is thousands of times faster, which enables all kinds of new things that really aren't possible with kind of SQL and NoSQL databases. So a really obvious example in construction is knowing you know if i think about construction documents as this huge kind of loosely connected network of information a piece of equipment by, might be referenced in a spec book which is also referenced in a submittal and there on a shop drawing those documents are related to each other they basically form a network but it's really hard today when i'm looking at that shop drawing to understand maybe the status of that submittal has it been approved or not where a network or a graph database on top of that same information can instantly expose those pieces of information. So I could look at a equipment schedule, for example, and instantly know the status of those submittals that are connected to that database, maybe even one or two hops away. If you think about that as a network, you know the, the equipment schedule might reference an air handling unit, which might reference a specification, which then might have a submittal tied to it. So that might be two hops away, but I can instantly expose that when I'm looking at my equipment schedule, when I have that connected to a graph. So we can jump into some more applications or some real obvious ones, but that type of knowledge, and you've probably worked on construction projects too, or I've been on jobs where we paid people to manually create hyperlinks mm. <laughs> between documents to try to Create some type of connectivity. And these are literally people going into Bluebeam or something and manually creating hyperlinks inside of PDFs to bring that intelligence, which is just kind of mind boggling and crazy that you do that manually. But the fact that we do it shows how much value there is to knowing how things are connected. So the fact that we can now automate that in Dato is uh, pretty exciting.
0: Well, and you put your finger on a question I, I, I think is in some people's minds. And how is this different from a hyperlink?
1: Right. So a hyperlink, there's two big differences here. Let's think about hyperlinking an RFI to a floor plan. So what we do there is we come in and we say, hey, floor plan, link to this RFI. We create that hyperlink from the floor plan to the RFI. So that's a manual hyperlink. It's a one-way connection. So If that RFI references, let's say, something else as well, like maybe we have to swap out a piece of equipment, there's no connection unless I've manually created those hyperlinks, there's no way to get from one place to the other where the graph database is automatically creating those connections both to and from those documents. So here's a great example. Let's say I pull up that submittal for that piece of equipment that's also referenced by the RFI. But the RFI was only linked to the, the floor plan, right? It manually linked. Now I'm looking at that equipment submittal. I don't know that uh, that RFI exists. But with a database, with a network, we can now expose and say, hey, I know you're looking at this submittal over here, but there's actually an RFI that's talking about this, whatever, research pump or air healing unit. So hyperlinks are kind of limited because they're one-way connections. They're from this document to another document. And they don't automatically tell you when a a document exists that links back to the document you're looking at, if that makes sense. So, you know, I might be looking at another installation drawing that wasn't manually linked to the RFI. I have no idea that the RFI exists, but by querying the graph database, the network, I can say, hey, within this document, within one hop or two hops away, are there any important RFIs that impact the work that's on this drawing? And be instantly exposed to that change without any manual interpretation of those documents. That kind of relationship is instantly established by putting the same construction documents into a graph database.
0: And that's kind of what people do, right? If if you go and ask a PE or or a, a superintendent about something, in their minds, they're going to be thinking about everything related to it, whether they tell you and whether it's relevant to the conversation or not. Our brains do that already, right? And that's one of the things that software lets us down is it only does the narrow thing that you're asking it to. And what you're saying, I think, is that by creating a network of all of the ideas and all of the concepts and all of the RFIs and and different points that are going on in a job, you're doing some of what a human could do, or at least getting closer.
1: It's exactly right. I mean, if you've had to triage a stack of RFIs before, you know, those come to you and you are trying to understand them as your scope of work, in, you know, in as an impact to your scope of work. Mm-hmm. How does that, you know, so I open up that RFI, I read it, I try to understand how and if that might impact my scope of work. What I can do in data now is I drop that in, and we instantly show everything that thing is related to. And if I'm looking at anything it's related to, I'm instantly saying, hey, there's an RFI that exists. So I can give, you know, a project engineer an instantaneous view of how that RFI impacts the project, all of the related, all the additional related documents that are in the project, what is impacted by the RFI, which is just this hugely valuable piece of information that to your point, people try to solve that with experience and try to solve that with intuition, you know, is this impacting my scope or not, where now I can just instantly populate all of the things that that RFI is connected to. So again, I think this is the first time we've really seen the implication of a graph database in construction. So we're pretty excited about this technology.
0: Yeah, I love it. And you know, again, you're not saying that does everything a human can. What you're saying is that it's going to augment the person who's looking for this. And it's going to help them by suggesting things they might not have thought of or maybe weren't aware or connected. That's really exciting, especially when you think about how complicated things can get on 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 a job.
1: Well, exactly, and you know some of the big use cases that we've seen already is not necessarily areas that I'm already an expert as a project engineer. Well, maybe I'm managing the mechanical scope, but it's when the RFI shows up in another trade. <laughs> how do I understand if that impacts my scope? And you know we see this all the time between like electrical, and mechanical. So you know the mechanical team puts the equipment in place. The electrical has to supply power to it. It's really hard to triage all of the mechanical RFIs and change orders and updates and drawings, understanding if and how they might impact my scope as an electrical contractor. You know, does that impact the breakers I need to install, the conductors I'm running, the panel board, all the power feeder schedules? It's hard to understand perhaps a substitution request for a water heater, how that might impact my electrical scope. And that's where we've seen a a huge, just some great stories and case studies already of how a graph database can, can solve those problems.
0: So let's talk a little bit about what happens. So you don't just kind of snap your fingers and you have a graph database. What is your system doing?
1: Well, this is really continuing to build on our intelligent document management platform for construction. So, and really, a, a I think in a modern tech stack, it isn't just having one size fits all database. It's really how do you use multiples of databases? You know, in data, we have now multiple databases that look at the same data. And the reason is we have different things we need to do with that data. So in the initial product or initially getting data off the ground, our first challenge was how do we OCR index, parse, and analyze huge piles of construction documentation with as little administrative time as possible. So that was step one. So when you dump a bunch of drawings or, or specs or submittals or purchase orders, whatever you have into Dato, we've spent a lot of time indexing those, extracting key information, You know, pulling off things mm-hmm. like sheet numbers and part numbers and te- equipment tags, and putting that first into really a search database. That's kind of Dato's core technology. And from there, it's then taking that same information and looking at it again in a graph database. So, you know, really it's leveraging different types of databases on top of the same data to do different things because different databases are more efficient for different tasks. So a network or graph database is going to expose how things are related, where a search database is going to give me super powerful access to that same document set. So... I think the the future of software is not this kind of single database, but actually taking that same data and dropping it into kind of purpose-fit databases for what you're trying to do with it.
0: You know, this begs the question, what do we even mean by data? And I, <laughs> I, it's a little bit more than I want to get into here, except to say that, you know, you have a table we've talked about. I mentioned the word bucket. We haven't mentioned lakes, but okay, lakes. We've got warehouses, we've got lake houses, and now we've got a graph. To at least some listeners, it's got to be like, are you guys running out of words or what? And <laughs> and you also talk about efficiency. And sometimes efficiency can mean different things. It can mean, well, if you've got tons and tons of data, it can deal with it in time. But I think there's a, another angle to this, and that is efficiency means it gives you less of what you don't want. So it's a tool that's built to do the thing you want to do with that given set of data, and, and what. One of the really cool things that graphs are able to do is surface relationships and surface things out there that are related to you that you weren't aware of. And some of the great examples that you give in some of the stuff I've seen on LinkedIn, for example, where people are discovering, you mentioned a moment ago, an RFI from an unrelated trade or a related trade that they weren't aware of. What are some other examples of people discovering things that you've heard of that have really had an impact?
1: Yeah, you know, we first started and we heard some great case case studies from people using search. So a typical story would be something along the line. Well, I'll give you a specific one. We had a, a plumbing contractor, a customer that was doing underground plumbing. They were searching data for, I think it was a submittal they were trying to find for this, this underground plumbing system. And in their search results, an RFI popped up that actually changed the fittings they were able to use on that underground plumbing. And this guy had no idea that all this stuff had changed. He was looking for the submittal to do the material buyout for what he thought he was supposed to install. This RFI pops up in his search results. And I mean, it saved him tens of thousands of dollars of buying the wrong material. Great story. I can give you two dozen other ones just like that we've heard in the, even the last couple months. And stories like, hey, I was searching for this and this other thing popped up. I had no idea. Thank you, Dado. That, so, that was so great. The reality was though, Hugh, that was complete, like kind of serendipitous, uh, pure luck, right? Uh, and our search is very, you know, if you've seen Dato search, it's it's very good. We are not just doing keyword matching, we're actually searching. So if you're looking for, you know, p- approved underground plumbing, you're gonna get all kinds of submittals and the spec and, and drawings related to that. So it's a, it's a good search engine. So it does surface that information, but that was so valuable to these customers you know, this has really been about a year journey here to get this whole launched. but we knew we had to figure out a way to make that happen on purpose. Because in reality, that RFI is related to that underground plumbing. In fact, it referenced one of the uh, drawings explicitly. So the n- ability to put those documents in front of people's faces, to put that new information there when they're looking for something else, but say, hey, we know these types of things are important, drawing changes, RFIs, change orders, submittal status, we know that stuff's important to you. You should also take a look at this here. So it's it's more or less, if you think about it, it's kind of like a recommendation tool. And that, you know, by the way, any recommendation tool that you've, you and I come across, whether it's through Amazon, through Spotify, or Apple Music, or whatever, all of those are built on graph databases. So the ability to understand how things are related to each other, that next song you get when you put on your, your shuffle, that comes from a graph database of looking at the network, your basically network of information compared to other networks and being able to predict what song you want to hear next. So construction is no different. We know if you are looking at this type of document and there's things related to it, that you should probably be looking at or that other people just like you have been looking at, we know now, or we know we can surface those or put those in front of you and, and that'll have value. So frankly, we're just kind of getting started with this and and some of these initial use cases have been awesome, but the, you know, the low-hanging fruit is something like an RFI. So you're looking at a document, you didn't know an RFI existed, putting that right next to the document we're showing you and saying, hey, here's the document you wanted, but here's another couple things you should probably look at since you're looking at this document. And we can expose all that because we have a graph.
0: And how does this graph get created from the documents under it? Do you guys go scan and then sort of match up things that are that look like they're related?
1: Exactly. So, you know, Dato does this, we have this huge kind of process of of extracting metadata and information out of these documents. So... That can be anything from like a sheet number on a drawing to a spec section that's buried throughout a spec book to an equipment tag on a schedule and, you know, kind of everything in between. But those are unique identifiers that build, you know, they are a network of information. They're connected to other things. So, you know, a a good example would be like a drawing index, that drawing index sheet points to all the drawings that it's connected to. So right there you have kind of the initial part of a network. So if you think about those sheet numbers, those, if you kind of track those sheet numbers across all those documents, you can start to visualize how those are actual, a network of information. And by, you know, data treating, we've very intentionally built a very powerful but flexible search database of storing that information. So we can not just have sheet numbers buried in a traditional database of drawings, but be able to take that sheet number and look at across all these different document types, where does that sheet number exist? So, for example, architect- architectural sheet A101, right? I can use that across my entire project to look for where that sheet's reference where it exists, and that starts to become a network. And then that's kind of your first hop. And then I can look at things that reference things that reference sheet A101. So. That becomes kind of like your second hop of data. And you think about like your LinkedIn social network, right? You've got your first degree connections and your second degree, and then your third degree connections. And that begins to become a very massive database, but that is what a graph database does all day long really well. So I can actually take those millions of nodes and edges as they're called in in, in graph terminology and kind of instantly expose how things are connected.
0: This is great. I mean, at the end of the day, it's new to a lot of people that are listening. I've heard of knowledge graphs and graph databases, but, but really getting into the nuts and bolts of a company that's made a real one and is far along the journey. I hear that you've got more and that's great. There's always more to do. I mean, yeah. this is hearing you talk in the past. I remember in an, an earlier conversation we had where your team had spent something like a year, 18 months, I think was the word you used to try to make voice search work because just looking for words gave you too much. So you had to teach your system a little bit about construction. So it would narrow down things and just give back better quality. And this to me is, is an extension of that work where you've been thinking, you as a team, have been thinking for years now about how are we extracting the right value from the, the mass of documents that are out there. If you think about it this is comes all the way back to the original thesis of your company which on its own is kind of a cool point right which is making construction documents easily available anywhere. Yeah. Um which is pretty cool.
1: It is and it's you know it's it is a <laughs> it's a bigger challenge than I think we all anticipated even starting off you know the simple promise of let's make sure everybody has all the latest information at their fingertips that shouldn't be as hard as it is and but for us it's been a very iterative process we have you know some amazing customer relationships which we've had even before we had a product people who believed in kind of the vision so we're able to from a product standpoint really break down not just the request but actual the the problem we need to solve to turn that into a true okay what are we re- what's the real problem we need to solve here and then Our engineering team here at Dato is uh, second to none. Being able to translate those and say, okay, this is the real problem. This is what they said was the problem. Here's the real problem. What's the right technology to solve this problem? And not just the technology that was used yesterday, but let's really try and from just an engineering architecture standpoint, I think, you know, Dato is very unique in really taking tomorrow's technology and bringing it into the construction industry and very proud of the the architecture we have and the the scalability of it to really not just solve problems today, but really set the future up for some amazing additional features we can build on top of the platform. And um, it's a pretty flexible modern stack that even five years ago wouldn't have even been possible. So that's we've kind of, Try to consistently leverage the latest and greatest, whether that be serverless or, or graph, and to make sure we're solving construction problems with the greatest, latest and greatest tech that's available to, to all industries, frankly.
0: Well, and to get back to the graph, hearing you talk about how connected things are and, and how you can find second and even third degree connections, the immediate thought is, okay, so you're going to bombard me with everything that's even kind of related to the problem that I'm looking for. Obviously, that's not the case. It's the opposite. How do you narrow it down? Or how do you give people <laughs> the ability to, na- to navigate and narrow it down?
1: Yeah, that is the challenge. Because you know if you've ever gone into LinkedIn and said, show me my first degree connections, okay, maybe that's manageable. Then you say, well, show me my second degree, and you get into to millions. <laughs> and by the way, there's way more data points in a set of documents than you or I have in our LinkedIn. It's crazy the amount of connections that exist.
0: Yes, Yes, um, there are.
1: Maybe you're a popular guy, Hugh, so you might have more connections. But anyway, the way you solve that is by making sure you, I mean, this is why you, you know, building a product for a a vertical industry, building a search engine that's focused on construction or taking a a graph database and focusing on construction. This is where you can really get industry-specific solutions that solve things uniquely. So you're right in the fact you can't just take an off-the-shelf graph database and throw it at construction documents. You're going to get a mess. You have to really have enough context and information built in already to know what's important and what's not, because you have to be able to filter those out. So in data, we actually have a two-step approach to that. We have some known pieces of information. We have defined some known things that are so important. We know, you know, like a design, maybe a, a drawing change in a new addendum gets issued or something. Those are things we know are important because... If you're looking at a drawing and there's a new drawing (laughs) that exists, it's pretty obvious you should probably at least know that the new drawing is there. So there's things like that that are are built in. And then we also make it flexible in a way that you can define nodes in that graph to to use it that way that are critical to you, depending on your role or the type of project you're on or the type of documents where you can say, if this type of thing shows up within a one step or, or one hop or two hop. Make sure I know about it. So that's where you can actually come in and say, hey, this type of thing, this type of document is critical. And you can that's a user-defined setting as well. So it's a blend. And, you know, a lot of our product works that way. Out of the box, it's very powerful, but it's also very kind of tunable. You know, we want it to be easy to use out of the box, but also extremely customizable for all of the... <laughs> All of the different, let's say, variations of projects and companies and, and just the industry we deal with. It's very hard to build a one-size-fits-all product in construction. Right. It's much easier to meet your customer where they're at and and build a product that you can customize for them without writing custom code for every single customer. That's kind of the challenge. So it's customizable, yet powerful is uh, the goal for us. Simple simple and smart.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think that's the the go-to... Approach for construction, right? Is you want it to work out of the box, so people don't have to, you know, take a course before they can turn the thing on. But then you want to give them knobs they can turn to make it work the way they need it to work as they get a little more comfortable and, and used to it.
1: Yeah, um, exactly.
0: So let's talk about some more examples and 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 kind of you do a really good job of making this concrete. So let's see if we can do a little more of that. What would be an example of how somebody might think about? making graph databases part of how they do their job. I mean what you said before, if people f- discovered stuff like they didn't mean to, but it's like oh my god, I didn't realize this is related to what we're doing and it changes what we're doing, you know, changes how I'm going to going to buy materials or whatever. But if you were to think about proposing how people do their job differently or add something to it or add a step, how does this make the job better and more efficient?
1: Yeah, I think what we've I hypothesized as we were starting DATO and what we've learned to be a fact as we've spent, you know, a few years working very closely with all kinds of customers is there is a tremendous amount of human capital, human resources that is put into basically uploading, downloading, and triaging construction information across platforms. And while the digitization of construction might seem like that should be getting better or going away. Our experience is just the opposite. As more sectors and and workflows and parts of the industry digitize, (laughs) the more silos are existing on projects, which makes sense if every stakeholder's kind of got a different solution that's optimized for what they're doing. But as you know, on any project, you've got just a lot of different stakeholders that come to the table and they got to figure out how to work together. So. I think one of the the obvious low-hanging fruit applications here is connecting and, and, you know, with our product, you can sync data from all kinds of different sources, but to connect those to, So for example, your drawings might be in a project management platform and your submittals might be on your server and and in a cloud folder, and then your shop drawings that you're creating might be coming out of some type of modeling software. They might live in three different places. Syncing those together to Dato and then letting the graph show how those are related and how changes are showing up, how changes are impacted is a tremendously new way to think about document automation or document management that brings automation in. So to make this concrete, imagine I'm a trade contractor, maybe a steel rector doing Takeoff off drawings on a fabrication drawings on based on structural details and the structural engineer issues a new plan set. How do I know how that impacts my scope or my drawings that I've already created in, as shop drawings, right? So this is where I could sync those structural set in as well as my own shop drawings, sync them all together into Dato and let the graph database actually expose where those design changes have impacted my scope as a trade contractor. So that work today, as we talked about earlier, is extremely manual, trying to triage those design changes and understand how it impacts my scope. And this is a great opportunity to use really modern graph database technology to help help me understand those impacts. Now, is it going to be perfect? No, it's still kind of garbage in, garbage out, and there's still a need to interpret it. But what we've seen already is tons of additional pieces of information that would have maybe weren't obvious on the first pass of how you know a framing change on the third floor might actually impact bracing that connects down to the second floor, things like that, that you might not have uh, realized were connected. That's just super easy, low-hanging fruit for this new technology to expose in our products. I hope that makes sense. I think this manual document management workflow across all these platforms The industry just needs to find automation solutions for this, whether it's our our platform or somebody else's. But the amount of time and effort that goes into just trying to keep everybody on the same page on a project is, is kind of spiraling out of control in a lot of cases.
0: I love this. And a way to think about what your system and what graph databases generally are able to help with is imagine you had an assistant who was inexhaustible, who had perfect memory and could go look at every document. And automate that. Like if you could go and ask that that assistant and say, oh, I need you to go check and make sure there's nothing else out there. Right. But you can do that all the time at any time. And as soon as something new is added and it's able to get indexed, obviously so there might be some bit of a time lag. But nevertheless, it's a whole lot faster than asking an actual, you know, 60 grand a year person to do it. Um, well, and across
1: I- across the platforms too, you know, that's that's a big challenge, is how do I how do I understand What's happening in, in the PM platform versus my platform versus maybe there's a submittal tracking platform as well. You know, th- that's hard to keep up with all that information.
0: Yes. And again, it's not perfect and it's not meant to be perfect. The person isn't perfect either. What it does is really augments the people that, that are doing the job so they can spend less time shuffling around paper and trying to remember, did I see that RFI or not? And get on with the business of actually putting work in place. Yep. Bingo. Fantastic. I'm super excited. I'm going to leave this with a question and that is you're hearing contractors more and more, you know, the latest thing now is data lakes and people are putting in place data lakes, some with a lot of sophistication, some because I think they think that's the next thing to do. But for contractors that are listening to this, they also have internally a lot of information, not all of which they want to put onto the data platform necessarily. Some of it might be financial, who knows. But is this something you think that contractors sh- should start learning about as well as they think about their own data stack?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's some easy ways to get started with graph databases. Um, you know, I think the challenge hire you to begin with. <laughs> yeah, we make it easy, but you know, I think the challenge with construction data is, for the most part, it's very unstructured, and that's not true for all data, but. Yes, most people have tons of data, but for the most part, it's unstructured. And I can tell you from working on all kinds of projects now, unstructured data is about as useful as no data at all. And I think the challenge is not just creating data lakes and and creating data for data's sake, but trying to figure out how we can structure it in a way that we can actually get insights out of it and it's useful uh, without spending... You know, hours of rekeying things in, and that's not an easy task. Hugh, I don't have a perfect answer for especially historical data that's unstructured, but it is the challenge our industry has. I think of having massive amounts of data that's largely unstructured. And what what would be an example of that? It would be a purchase order that's a PDF. It's nearly impossible to look at my cost history across all my purchase orders when everything sits in a PDF that's not structured in a way where I can pull off part numbers, you know, material names and actually track what I've been paying for maybe copper for the last 6 years. So those are areas where I think we need to look at more intelligent ways to or automate the structuring of the data. And, and not hope that data is going to be our savior without actually thinking about whether or not I can actually do something with that data in the future. Scanning all those in actually doesn't do you a lot of good unless you can figure out a way to structure that data while you scan them.
0: Excellent way to end that it is, is a good idea, but it's a lot harder than it sounds. And at the end of the day, the, the base data needs to be looked at before you worry too hard about where you're putting it which I think is something people are painfully starting to realize.
1: Yeah. Yep. It's not impossible and I think if you go through that exercise at least what'll shake out from that is the realization that if you do start structuring your data, you're going to get a lot more value out of it down the road. Right. <laughs> so, you know, we've been we have a, a forms tool built into to Data where you can fill out documents and forms and whether that's a daily report or a safety and job site hazard analysis something like that and you know, at first pass, it's like, oh, that's just another forms tool. But what people realize is that we're not just helping you fill out those PDF forms, we're actually collecting that as structured data. So now, you know, a year later, we can come back and we can look at every one of those job site hazard analysis and actually extract data, put it into Power BI, you know, get insights, understand what are the top hazards that I should be training on, and that's kind of the different mindset that, you know, we're trying to encourage is, is yeah, great that you digitize things, but unless you're actually treating them as, and actually you have a path to not just digitize them, but structure the data, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice.
0: Excellent. Well, so we're going to have a lot of references to some of what um, Jake has been talking about during this podcast in the in the show notes. So for folks that are interested in learning more, there's some video of Jake. There's also some comments, some, some references to knowledge graphs and graph databases for people that want to dig in further. So Jake, thank you for being on the podcast.
1: My pleasure, Hugh. Always great to chat and I look forward to doing it again soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the Data in Construction podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast provider. And if you're interested in learning more about data in construction, sign up for our monthly skills webinars or the data in construction book coming out later this year. You'll find signups for both in the podcast notes. Thank you.